Jesus, you are King of Kings. In the name of the Lord, in heaven, in the kingdom of God. But this good people down on earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We, uh, we are a church that has much talent, and uh, it's so good to be in the presence of the Lord and using our talents to the best of our abilities, and uh, great job. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we are just excited um, to look for what the future has for us. At this time, I want to play a little video to kind of set the tone for the message today. So Larry, if you would go ahead and play that little three-minute video. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings. How eager they are to kill one another. How fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, 
the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The Earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit? Yes. Settle? Not yet. Like it or not, for the moment, the Earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Now, this video may seem like a very strange way to start a message. Maybe the strangest I've ever used, maybe. Clearly, this was not a Christian done video. This was a Christian, or this was a video done through science, and I think everything he says is true for the most part, though. There is no help coming from other universes to come to humanity here. And it shows me that there truly is a hopeless existence without Christ. Without Christ being in our life, what really is there? It showed that this point is very relevant to the message that we're going to make today as we continue to talk about our mission statement to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance, that God sees us as a, an amazing part of a creation, even though we're so insignificant in the universe. We're so small to the point that we just fade away into the blackness, into the, into the vastness of universe. Our earth just fades away, but yet God has a plan for us. He sees us. He knows us. Even though we failed him, even though we have given the rule of this planet over to the enemy, God has a redemptive plan for it. And his plan is to restore all things. And the most amazing part of that plan is that he's including us in it. We are partners with him in the restoration process. And that brings us back right full face into the mission statement that we have, to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. What does it mean? And how can we take our position in the cosmic vastness of the universe and then see our significant point of where do we belong? Where do we do? What's our role? What's your role? What's my role? What's this church's role? in our society. And the thing about it is that it may not be it may not appear to be a very big deal because we're a small body in a small community in a north up north Michigan and you know who do we really impact? I mean, who do we really impact? Well, can I tell you that it doesn't make any difference how many. It's the fact is that God is impacting you and me, and that is a big part of why we're here. 
along with the bigger scope of the gospel that we're going to talk about a little bit later, the, the, the fact that God loves you and I so much that he did all that he did in bringing that plan of restoration back together and that plan of redemption, he did it just for Max. Just for Jim. Just for Jeannie. Dan, Tom, put your name in there. He did it just for you. That's how much he loves us. It's pretty awesome. We started talking about or reviewing our mission statement a couple of weeks ago, and I want to go back to that today because this is a mission statement that has um, great reach if we can clearly understand it better. So let me say it again. Our mission statement is to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. And this is a statement that is meant to encourage the believers in this church to live a Christian life of earthly relevance that will create for them a heavenly effective result. Five words that go together and have a huge impact if we can grasp them. What, I, what I'm so excited about here is that for everyone here this morning that is going to make heaven our eternal dwelling place, our relationship with each other is just beginning. Our relationship is just beginning because we're going to have an eternity together. We're going to have an eternity of sharing together our experiences And I want to be able to look back in a 1,000 years from now or 10,000 years from now or a million years from now. I want to be able to look back at these few moments that we've had together where we've shared this vision statement and we've shared life together here. And I want to be able to um, celebrate the fact that we did it together and that we did it successfully together. And I want to be able to enjoy those eternal rewards together that you and I can look back and say, remember those days? Wow. Anybody agree with me on here? Amen. Yeah, that's what we want. The Bible is clear where our focus should be set upon. The Bible is very clear that our eyes should be on heaven and everything that heaven entails on this earth. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You know this passage. We've said it before. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. What are things above? Heaven. Things above are heaven. It's not just another world. It's not just the universe. Set your hearts on heaven. Things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That defines it as heaven because where God is, heaven is. So things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God is defining things above as heaven. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Not to say that earthly things aren't important. It's just that we don't set our minds on them. We look at this as a journey through earthly things. But yet what we do in earthly journey is very important. And we're going to talk more about that. So it's, it's one of these, I, I love the mysteries of God and how he goes down this fine line all the time of extremes. You know, we are to set our minds on heaven, but yet we're to be actively involved in earth. But yet I don't set my minds on earth because my mind's set in heaven. And what I do on earth is going to impact my heaven. 
And that's so cool when we can look at it that way. And so what are we supposed to be doing here? Well, read down a few more passages in that same chapter of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So we are to be having our minds on heaven, but yet actively working in this earth and working as if we're working for the Lord, not for ourselves. And as I've stressed before and will continue to stress always, we are not working as a way for our salvation. This is not a works-based salvation message. This is, a, uh, this is working as a result of the promise that we have and that we are heaven-bound. It is a totally different motivation for potentially doing the same thing with a totally, with a totally different result. I mean, my result, as I work for the Lord because I'm saved, I will have eternal rewards and positive outcomes. The other result is, if I'm working for my earthly rewards, then I will have no reward in heaven and I will have um, potentially even missed the mark because my whole motivation could be wrong. I could be doing the same thing with a different motivation and getting a different result. But I'm working as to the Lord. And when I'm working as to the Lord, I am promised an inheritance. I'm promised a reward that will last eternally because my motivation is to work for the Lord, not to work for me or to work for church or to work for any other organization. We aren't working for salvation. Amen? We aren't working for salvation, yet everything we're talking about is worth working for. We're not working for salvation, but yet everything we're talking about is worth it to work hard for it as a result of it. Does that make sense? Are we all tracking okay here? Did I, anybody lost yet? Okay, we're all good. All right, that's awesome. I want to make one more point, one last point regarding heaven before we spend the rest of the day talking about relevance. We, we spent a lot of time talking about heaven the first time we started talking about this mission statement a few a couple weeks ago. Uh, but one, one last statement, then we're going to talk about relevance. We need to establish heaven as our final destination, and then work backwards from that to make sure that we get there, right? We need, to, we need to establish heaven as our goal and then work backwards. Let me give you an example. If, if you decided you want to go to Southern California to go to Disneyland, okay, and you're in Michigan, what's the first thing you do? You, you, you define the location where we're going. We're going to Disneyland. Then what do you do? You get out a map, and you start charting the roads to take. How do I now get there? That's my destination, but now I get out a map, or I get out my, my you know, computer, and I Google it, or whatever, and I map out the roads that I'm going to take, and I, and I might even make some hotel reservations along the way. I might even think, well, I'm going to get so far tonight, and I want to get a hotel there, so I'm going to make a hotel reservation there, and oh, by the way, when I'm there, man, there is something I want to see there. I want to sightsee a little bit along the way, so I start making my plans on how I'm going to get to Disneyland in California. I just don't set out one day and think I'm going to go to Disneyland and not have a clue which way to go. I mean, I'm not going to... It, it makes no sense if I'm going to go to Disneyland and I head up to New York. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get there unless I have the way to get around the world and circumvent the whole globe to get back. I, I have to have a direction. So that's the same thing with heaven, guys. We just don't live a life here haphazardly thinking that someday I'm going to get to heaven if I'm not making it my eternal destination. That's why we have to set our eyes, we set our hearts on things above. My Heaven is my eternal goal. But now I have to live life. I have to go on the journey to get there. All right? That's what we're talking about now. So now we need to get into our mission statement to mean what does it really mean? Okay? To be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. Now, we've had this mission statement since 2009. That was one of the first things I did when I started the pastor here was to feel, I prayed for the mission statement and I, I believe that's what the Lord gave us. And over the years, I've had a lot of people come up to say, and say, that's confusing. I don't get it. So it's okay. And, and, and it is okay that we have to think about something and, and work toward trying to understand something. But as we truly understand what this statement says, I hope that we're getting the understanding that everything we do in earth has eternal consequences. And this mission statement hopefully is making it clear to us that it's reminding us that what I'm doing today has a, a consequence eternally. And I can have a positive or a negative consequence depending on what I'm doing today. Not everything's going to be positive if I'm doing a negative thing, all right? If I'm planting corn, I'm going to get corn, not carrots. You reap what you sow, right? So we have to be aware of that. And the enemy will do everything he can to convince us that our time here on this earth is all about us. It's all about me enjoying my life here. It's all about me enjoying my days and that I don't really have to work for eternity. I don't really have to work for, for heaven because, Jay, just, you'll get there. And when you get there, everything's going to be fine. No, it's all about you being happy. It's all about me being happy in this moment. The enemy says, leave me alone. Leave me alone and let me have my life. I don't need your directions. I don't need your intentional living aspect. No, leave me alone. That, I mean, the enemy is coming to people all the time. And it's very obvious that people are saying, just let me live my life. Yeah. I'm reading a book for the Colson Fellows that fits perfectly into the direction that the Lord has taken this church in our mission statement. And I'm, I want to just read a, a quote from this book. The, the title of the book is Kingdom Calling, written by uh, author Amy Sherman. And in this, she quotes... Uh, Doug Spada, who was the leader of Worth Like Inc. And I want to read this quote to you because this kind of helps us set the tone for where we're going. Doug Spada says, From this day forward, I would like you to think of your local church as an aircraft carrier. Unless our churches assume the rightful and biblical positions in the battles we face in the workplace, we cannot fully advance. It's only as the carrier arms, equips, briefs on the battle plan, fuels the jet, and then launches the pilots out on their mission that they can assume their maximum dominion. Unfortunately, many of our churches operate like a cruise ship. Think about it. What do you do on a cruise ship? You go to be entertained. You eat a lot. And there's very little accountability. And think about a cruise ship. It goes out, hits a couple points, and comes back to the very same place, rarely advancing forward into new territory. If the enemy of our souls can disarm the carrier, confuse the pilots, break the catapult system, then we essentially continue to function as a cruise ship. 
God may very well be asking you to be a catalyst for work-life reformation in your church. The church is not a cruise ship, but an aircraft carrier. Pretty insightful words, isn't it? What a great analogy that many people look at church as a way to come in and just be entertained. Let's go on the cruise together. Let's go out to the points of destination of fun and come back and get off and we can go home. Let's not take new territory. Let's not expand ourselves. See, having a cruise ship mentality is an all-about-me attitude. I come to church to be entertained. I'm not really interested in having any responsibility or accountability. I just want to come and be entertained. I want to come and be blessed. I want to come in and enjoy our time on Sunday mornings and go out feeling great about myself and then fill up enough to get me through the week until I can limp back in on the next Sunday. Guys, that is not fulfilling the commission that the Lord has given us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, that sounds like an aircraft carrier. That sounds like what Jesus was informing or or encouraging and, and instructing his church to be is an aircraft carrier, don't you think? I don't, see any, I don't see any cruise ship mentality there at all. So there's a big challenge for us. Well, how, what does this mean? How, uh, let's talk about what it means for our church and for us as an individual to use this as a jumping-off point to be earthly relevant. Who am I as a person to be relevant to? Who are we as a church to be relevant to? What do I have to do to be relevant What does this church have to do to be relevant? There's lots of questions about relevance and to be relevant. First of all, what is the definition of relevant? Let's talk about that. Let's let's make sure we define the terms. Merriam-Webster says to be relevant is having a significant and a demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. Oxford Dictionary says that to be relevant is you're closely connected or appropriate to what is being done or considered. Another definition says relevant means to be connected, to have social significance. So to be relevant, let's put it together. So to be relevant to the world that we live in, we need to have a connection and a significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter of living in the moment that can make a difference in the lives of people and in our community that we're in relationship with. Being relevant means we have relationship. This means that we need to get involved in the lives of the people that we're trying to help. We can't help them remotely. We have to get down with them. We have to be relevant to their situation. We have to to be, be able to empathize and sympathize with the needs that they have. We have to have friends. Now, I, I get it. Most of us here in this room right now may be saying, you know what, I, I don't know many people outside of the church. I don't have many friends that aren't Christians. So how does this apply to me? Well, I get that. For most of us that have been living Christian lives for quite a while, maybe we have somewhat isolated ourselves and we are not really into that, into that worldly 
uh, relationship mode. But, but let me ask you the question, though, because the Lord is going to ask us someday, and how are we going to answer the Lord when we have to give him account of our social relevance and how we lived out the Great Commission? Because he is giving us all that Great Commission. That Great Commission just wasn't for the pastors. It just wasn't for the leaders of the church. It was for all of us. And for those of us here that are still in the workforce, you have an untapped resource of social relevance potential right where you work. Think about it. Over a career of working 30 to 50 hours a week, that calculates out to about ninety-five to 96,000 hours of being on a job. That's 96,000 hours of being with people that are not Christians, potentially. 96,000 hours of your time that you can spend with them, in front of them, being relevant to them, trying to show them how you can help them through Christ. That's a lot of time to be mixing with people that you don't consider your friends. But are they your neighbor? <laughs> Absolutely. Do, are we responsible for them? Absolutely. So this isn't just about your, your, your little pod of friends. This is about the influence that you have in, as you walk in this world wherever you rub shoulders with. And so maybe you're not in the workforce. Maybe you're retired. Okay, well, you go to the doctor's office. You go to the grocery store. Wherever, wherever you go, you're going to be running into people that they're not your friend, but you need to be relevant to them. You need to be carrying out the gospel message or whatever that great commission is, however you can live, live it out. That's your relevance. What do we do in all those hours? Well, I don't know the answer for you and your specific job. I, I can't tell you that. But maybe what we have to do is maybe we have to start spending some more quality time before we go into that workplace or before we leave our house that day and asking the Lord for daily guidance and what he would have me to do that day wherever I'm at. Lord, make me relevant wherever I go. And maybe we need to look at our devotional time as more important about rather than coming to God and say, God, here's my list of wishes. Here's all my desires. So I'm, instead of me praying for all my desires all the time in my devotional life, which is good to do. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because the Lord asked you to do that. But maybe we should spend as much or more time saying, Lord, what is, you, what is your will today? What, what's your will for me today? What do you want me to do wherever I'm at, whoever I'm with? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? What action do you want me to live in? How do you want me to be seen by people around me? And maybe we should spend more time asking the Lord for his will than for our wishes and our desires. Now, when I start doing that, get ready to be relevant. Get ready to be um, engaged. Get ready to be used. And don't let that make you afraid. And don't let that put fear in you, the fact that God is going to use you Because when he uses you and you're in step with him, it is not hard. It is just living out your life. As a Christian person that loves Christ, you're just living it out. And actually, it becomes very rewarding and very fulfilling. Have you ever thought about your devotional time like that before? If you haven't, I encourage you to think about it that way. Relevance is all about relationship. One really can't be relevant to people or even to God 
until we have relationship with God and we, we have relationship with people. That's the connectivity we need to have with the people around us and with God. We need to have that relationship. We're given a good instruction in Matthew. Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 22 about our motivation. Beginning at verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. So obviously, we see the responsibility we have in relationships is about love. I need to love people. I need to love God, first of all, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I can't leave anything out there. I don't love the God with just enough. I love him with all that I have. And then I need to love people. Now, I know the first thing that may come to your mind, because it, came, it comes to mind <laughs> as well, and that is, that is too hard of a, re- a request. God, how can I love you that much? How can I love people that much? That's hard. And so, so many of us said, hey, it's too much, too much to ask, too much required, so there must be a different way. There must be a, a, a way around that command. Let's find the shortcut. Let's find the other way around it. Well, if you're thinking that, where is that coming from? Can I tell you that that thought process is not coming from God? Because God would not give you a command and then give you a workaround. <laughs> he would not say this and then give you the, the thought that, oh, there must be an easier way. No, I will just tell you that it's God's desire that you love him that much, and it's God's desire that you love people that much, and that it's God's promise to help you do it. He's not asking you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to do. He's commanding us to love extremely, but he's going to always say, I'm there to help you in the process because I can't do it on my own. And as soon as I do do it on my own, then it becomes about me, and that's not good. Love is the key to being relevant. Love is the key to being relevant. That we are connected close enough to people. That we're, collected, that we're connected close enough to Christ that we can sense his desire. We can read his heart. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through our prayer time. He speaks to us through people. We read his heart and then we do what he's asking us to do because we are that close a relationship with him. And then we have relationship with people and we know how to feed into their life. And that is being relevant. That is being earthly relevant as we do that. And the best news yet is that being earthly relevant means that we just have to be heavenly obedient. We make it too hard. I'm going to tell you, we make it too hard. We need to be heavenly obedient and we need to be committed to following Jesus in the everyday small things in our life. The everyday small things. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And then he goes on to say, When you love me and keep my commands, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever. See, do you see the cooperative nature here of God? Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. 
And when you obey my commands, I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. So we got the Trinity involved here. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all involved in helping us to live out the commands that Jesus tells us to do. Why? Because we love him. Not to earn his love, but because of his love for us, now we do this. Continue on a little bit later in that same chapter, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Do you see that by loving and obeying Jesus, do you see what happens in our life? When I love and obey him, he abides in me. He comes and, and is a part of my life, and he is in my life, and he is my, he is my guide now at that point. The Holy Spirit has been given, has been charged by God the Father that when you see this man, when you see Mike or whoever it is obeying me, Holy Spirit, go help them. When he sees a heart of obedience, he says, Holy Spirit, they need your help to obey me. They can't do it on their own. So Holy Spirit, go down and help them obey me. Help them follow me closer. Help them, fill them to be relevant. Help them. And that's what we have. That's the act of loving and obeying brings God's passion into our life. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's just a great circle of of encouragement here. The more I put my trust and my love and my effort to obey him, the more that he gives me the ability to do it. The more I trust him and the more that I want to obey him, the more he gives me the ability to do it. John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The more that God's with me, the less I'm going to be afraid. Amen. It makes it very clear that we can do nothing on our own. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. That's that relationship we have. That's that relevant relationship with the Lord that as I have the Lord in me and I have him in me by obeying the commands of Christ, and then, then the Father charges the Holy Spirit to go down and be with that man and abide in him so that he can bear much fruit because as we abide together, we're, we're productive, we're effective, we're relevant. Yeah, so good when we see it that way. It's so good. And here's what's really cool about this, that being relevant doesn't require us to do the big things. So many times we don't do anything because it's not big enough. It's not worth it, or at least in our opinion, it's not worth it. No, it's, it's not worth it. Nobody notices it. What I can do, I'm so insignificant. It's not worth it. So therefore, I don't do anything. Do you see the lie? Do you see the deception of the enemy here? You don't have to do the big thing. You just have to do the obedient thing. 
You just do the thing that God calls you to do right now, the little thing right now. Just be obedient in the little things. And the culmination of the little things turn into what? A big thing, a big reward, a great thing for the Lord down the road. So the big things and the grandiose things, they can scare you. They scare me. So I don't worry about that. I don't worry about doing the big things. I just say, Lord, help me to do the little things today. Help me to be obedient and help me to follow you in the little things today because when I follow you in the little things, you will then not only keep track of that little thing I'm doing, but you will multiply it and make it into a big thing. I read a portion of a sermon from a pastor of a megachurch in Kansas, and he was challenging his congregation with being active in their workplaces. Let me just read you his quote. He challenged every listener in his congregation to consider themselves to be missionaries regardless of their field of work. It doesn't matter if you work in a doctor's office, a school classroom, an auto mechanic shop, a bank, or any other type of job. He concluded if he had 12,000 members, okay? He concluded if 12,000 of us realize that we're missionaries first and we go out into our workday world every day on a mission to bless, to love, to heal, to bring justice, to serve God in the workplace, then when we finally begin to do that, I tell you, the world is going to be different. Now, we, not, we may not be 12,000 strong, <laughs> but I will tell you that if you go into your workplace to be a, a, a point of healing, to be a point of blessing, to bring justice where you can bring justice, to serve God in that workplace, can I tell you that you will make your workplace different? And you can be that catalyst in your workplace. And you know what that's called? Earthly relevant. It's called being earthly relevant. So remember, our mission statement is to be heavenly effective to earthly relevance. And as we get busy being relevant, we can fulfill a great mission here. This really goes back to our view of the overall redemptive work that God has in mind for his creation. That little video we showed at the beginning showed, you know, it started out about the big world that we're in and the further away you got from that big world, the smaller it became until eventually it was just a small blue dot. Couldn't even see the pixel. Couldn't even see it. And here's the thing, guys. When God created that, he created it perfect. And we all know the story. We've talked about it many times about sin. Sin got in and messed it up. All right? Now, sin not only messed up me and messed up you, it messed up the creation. It messed up the whole, the whole plan of what God was doing in the whole creation of the universe. So the redemptive process is much bigger than just you and I. God's got a plan to restore all of it back. And basically, we have a role in it. Think of it this way. <laughs> I can hear my dad telling me this. Hey, you screwed it up, therefore you, have a now, you now have a role in fixing it. Yeah, you know, we, we were the ones, human, humankind, we're the ones that messed it up. So God's saying, come on, you're going to be part of the process. I'm going to be the source, but yet I'm, you're getting my hands and feet. You're going to be involved in the process. And I, and I don't know if we've ever really thought about us having a role in being a, or having responsibility in helping God restore his universe helping God restore this broken world. But our redemption is so much more than just our salvation. Our salvation is just a small piece of it, and a very important piece of it, but it's just a small piece of it because it's bigger than us. 
He wants and he desires our work and he gives us the direction on what we can do to repair. It's kind of like Nehemiah and the wall. And we're not going to go there right now because that's, too, that's a whole other discussion. But he gives us the resources as we're then responsible to do our part in fixing the wall that we're working on today. That's called being relevant. And there is a gospel message that is too narrow and that it only applies to our personal salvation. But we have a plan to be part of the grand plan of God. And he has a plan to restore all of us. And that's what our job is, saints. That's what your responsibility is, to look outside of your little small sphere of your own personal salvation and start looking into your responsibility to be part of the grand plan of restoration and redemption and to be relevant to the earth, relevant to the people around you so that you can be heavenly effective. But you first have to be relevant to where you're at. Does that make sense? Is it making it more clear? Jackie, would you come and we'll begin to wind this up. But I want to end here because this really is an unending discussion about relevance. I, I don't think we can ever say that we've got it all figured out or if we've talked about it all because there's so much more to talk about about being earthly relevant. But I want to make the point that until we understand that we have a purpose bigger than ourselves, we're too narrow in our gospel. It's just not about me. It's just not about you getting to heaven. It's about you and me getting to heaven and taking as many with us as we can. It's about going out into the world and being a difference maker into the world. It's just not about me and my own. Let me read one more quote from the author of the book. She says, The story told of the Christian's life in the too narrow gospel does not capture this awesome reality and privilege that we have as saved sinners as being a part of God's plan to heal the world. The too narrow gospel tells us that we've been saved from sin, hell, and death. And that's very good news indeed. But the gospel of the kingdom tells us not only what we're saved from, but also what we're saved for. We have a purpose. We have a sacred calling. We have a God-given vocation to partner with God in his work of restoring all things. (laughs) What could be more exhilarating than that? Come on, we all like to be part of the winning team, right? We all want to be part of that state basketball team that brings the title home. Yeah, we want that. And here it is. God's given us an opportunity to be on the team of all teams. And he's saying, come on. Be relevant to me. Be relevant to the earth around you. Look at what you're doing. Look at the impact you have on the people that you work with. Look at the impact that they have on the people that you grocery shop with or that you have dinner with. No matter who that is, you, we have relevance and that's our call to be pursuing them as Christ pursued us. Amen. Oh, this is exciting, guys. This is a hope. This is a future. This gives us a reason for being here today. I don't care how big or how small we are. I have a responsibility to fulfill the commission. And when I can get excited about that, man, my life is going to be fun, challenging. Yeah, hard work, absolutely. 
but I know what it's ahead of me and I know it's great and I know it's grand and I know there's a great reward ahead and I'm excited about that. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I just thank you for what you have in store for us. I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to call us to be part of your team. Lord, I, I can remember as a kid on a playground and we would line each other up. We'd get two captains and line, each, line the, the, the ten guys up and we'd pick the team. And I always hated to be the last guy picked. But God, it doesn't make any difference if I'm the first guy picked or the last guy picked. You picked me. And I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to be on your team and I'm choosing to put my best effort into this and I am going to work hard I'm going to work hard for the kingdom today. And I'm going to celebrate the victories with you. And I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that this church would be infected with this atmosphere of work, atmosphere of excitement, atmosphere of growth, atmosphere of doing the things that are relevant on this earth to have a heavenly effective reward. It's what we desire. It's what we want. It's what we're asking for. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing and let's just let's just celebrate it a little bit this morning in Jesus' name.
Father, we thank you for that promise. Lord, and I know that many of us here will feel inadequate. Many of us will feel over, overwhelmed and overchallenged by a message like this. And I pray, Father, that you would let us know that you are there with us, that you are not sending us out to be lone rangers, that we are going out part of the team, and you are part, you are the leader of the team, and you are going to send us out there with your Holy Spirit's assistance and help. So as we go today, I pray that we go with a level of anticipation and appreciation for the fact that you're just asking us to do the little things. Just the little things. Just be that person with a nice smile and a warm embrace. And then just grow from there, Father. But I thank you for your promise and I thank you for your assurance that you will be with us to the end. You have not left us here alone. We are not orphaned children. We are children of the Most High, and we are on the team together, and we are part of the family that conquers. We are the winning family, and we are so appreciative of that. And Lord, and I just charge us now as we go to our homes today that we go out as conquerors today. We go out as victors today in the blood of Christ that we have chosen to be on the team that you've you've chosen us as well and we accept the challenge and we look forward to the testimonies that are coming in Jesus name Amen. amen be blessed as you go today